Turn in your Bibles. We're going to start in 2 Timothy chapter 3. <coughs> I took a little break from 1 Corinthians today. And apart from continually sharing the, the message of the gospel, <clears throat> there's one biblical truth that, that I tell you what, we need to touch on and be reminded. Because one of the ways that Satan will attack us is he, he uses what we would call the replacement strategy. And he will try to... Uh, Clay brought something up with the Gnostics. They, they tried to replace... They tried to go into the church at Colossae and other churches. The church at Galatia uh, was the Judy... Or the churches of Galatia... Uh, was uh, the Judaizers kind of trying to draw them back to the law. And in this case, the, the Gnostics were trying to replace what Paul had taught them, the sound truth and teaching of the Word of God, with more enlightened ways of thinking. And in reality, <clears throat> uh, there's, a, there's a verse there that it said in, in Clay's uh, Bible says, let no man cheat you. Now another way that that, that is uh, translated, that Greek word can be, let no man spoil you with these things. And to cheat is to steal, is it not? It's to rob, it's to take. It's to leave destitute. Spoil does the same thing, but, but ladies... <clears throat> When we, uh, as men, leave food out too long, what does it do? Spoils. And what is a byproduct of food spoiling? <laughs> Beside the food poisoning, what else? It stinks. And... Satan wants to replace the Word of God and, and he has just inundated Christianity and churches today with all kinds of better ways and all kinds of programs and all kinds of... Uh, we got more guys writing books today than ever. And, and you know what? Not everything that's written in their book lines up with the Word of God. Somewhere along the line, uh, we, we became like the church at Laodicea when you read it in Revelation. And, and the church at Laodicea says, hey, you know, Jesus looks at him and he says, hey, you guys think you're rich. But he says, you're poor. He said, in fact, you're so lukewarm. He said, I just, I, I just didn't spit you out of my mouth. You're neither hot nor cold. One of those ways that that happens is when, when all of these influences begin to creep in to our local churches. 
And all of these things creep in. And what does it do? It deters us. We start thinking, boy, I really like this preacher. I really like this book. Or, Listen, I have books. I got a lot of books. But none of those books is infallible. The best of men is still just the best of men. And there's, there's things in those books that, that I wish those guys had not penned down. Because when I read the Word of God, I go, yeah, that doesn't, no, we're not on the same page. And, and Satan started out real, you know, just little insignificant things. And now, today, we have, <clears throat> it's blatant. And so we need to be reminded in, in what we would call the inerrancy and the all-sufficiency of the Word of God. I mean, I could almost, what do they call it, mic dropping? And walk out after that statement. The all-sufficiency of Scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, of course, Paul is writing to Timothy, uh, who he uh, said was like-minded to Paul in the faith. Paul was, was his mentor. You could almost say that, that you know, Paul had said he was my own son, Timothy, that he was uh, like a spiritual father, as it were, not replacing God the Father, but on an earthly sense, a spiritual guide and, and shepherd and, and father-like figure to Timothy in Timothy's growth in the ministry. And so he's writing Timothy and he's encouraging Timothy, saying, listen, man, you, you better be ready. And in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Hey, the last days began when the Lord Jesus was on this earth. Okay, he says, and he speaks of the last days. They began, if, there's, if you want to look at it a certain way, it's kind of like a big umbrella. And to the left, we have, you know, you're starting here, and then you work your way, and, and, and as we look at Scripture, and we look at what's going on today, we're probably getting toward the end of the last days of the last days. But the Apostle Paul <clears throat> takes uh, verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and he describes those perilous times. And if you were to look at these verses, and you read these verses, you're going to go, oh my. That describes what is happening today. Now, Solomon tells us there's nothing new under the sun in the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay. So, uh, this stuff's been going on for a long time, but today, as Satan uh, is kind of given a little more reign, as it were, it is becoming, it's, it's not hid anymore. It's blatant. We're, you know, we're, we're hit with these things at every side. And he ends that in verse 5. He says, having a form of godliness. Boy, if that doesn't describe what's going on today. 
We do not need Hollywood telling us how to walk as Jesus walked. We don't, we don't need Hollywood telling us. We don't need Washington, D.C. telling us how Christians should be. But that's what's happening today. And he even says in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, he, he talks about how these deceivers creep in. Verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He describes what is going to happen. He describes what is happening today. One of the ways that that happens is when we begin to replace the Word of God with the word of man. You know, I, I I remember back in the day, and I didn't think nothing of it when I was a kid. It was just, it was on Christian radio and there was some Christian psychologists on there. And, and it would just come, my parents listened to, to the old Christian radio all the time. And, and I didn't think nothing of it at the time. But it's amazing how that that opened the door for today. We have replaced the truths of the Word of God with, oh, I need to go to a counselor, or I need a therapist, or I need this. You see what I'm saying? We are replacing the Word of God. It, it, in our eyes and in our minds, it is no longer all sufficient. We gotta have more. We need more. Well, you need to go listen to this person. No, you need to get in your Bible and you need to apply the Word of God. You need to ask God to teach you the truths and to open your eyes and open our eyes to the truths of the Word of God and make them a part of us. Kind of like that old cow chewing her cud. What does she do? She eats it. She regurgitates it all day. Hopefully that doesn't make anybody sick, but that's the way we ought to be. Those are the answers. Oh, I just struggle with forgiveness. Well, hmm, what does the Bible say? says forgive even as Christ forgave you. And I'm going to tell you right now, he had a whole lot more to forgive than we'll ever have. Told us to love as Jesus loved. Clay read a verse talking about walking in him. And then, you know, we see those verses and then the word of God is, is so, uh, so complete is that it not only tells us what to do and, and what to seek, but it tells us how to go about it. Verse 14, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned 
and been assured of. In other words, Timothy, you need to keep focused. You need to stay focused on the Word of God. And you need to, to, to cut out all of the excess noise and focus on the Word of God. He says, you've been taught as a child. He says, and from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. That phrase, Holy Scriptures there, is, is talking about the Old Testament. He says, you've been, you've been trained as a child. He said, stay focused on the Word of God. Don't be distracted. Don't be drawn to the left or to the right. I tell you what, we, God is going to call fundamentalism on the carpet. Because we have allowed, we have allowed corporate ideas, and we have allowed uh, the the thinking of this world to slide into the local church, and now we we hold uh, more credence to bylaws and constitutions and everything than the Word of God. You want to have bylaws? We want to have bylaws and constitution? I'm going to tell you where you find it. How about Matthews chapter 3, 4, and 5? How we operate. How we view others. How we treat others. How we work in this world. How we live in this world without, without being infected by the world. There we go, right there. We want to see how we want to operate as a local church. How about we take Ephesians chapter 4 and how about we take 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus and say, right there. We've let these things creep in. And then Paul gives us two verses that I bet a lot of us today could quote. Verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The all-sufficiency of Scripture. What is, we say this all the time. What does all mean? Kind of hard... Kind of hard to get a different definition of all. Now, today, apparently not. You know, you ever, you ever read a Webster's 1828 or an 1848 dictionary? And you read the definition of words that we use today, and then get a new dictionary out, like one that was written ten years ago or five years ago. Satan wants to replace. That old dictionary was written to help people get a grasp on what? The Word of God. He says all Scripture. Now, verse 15, the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament. Verse 16, the word Scripture there is the whole and totality of Scripture. Old Testament and New. Do you realize that Paul knew that what he spoke and what he wrote was Scripture? You'll find that uh, 
in Colossians chapter 4 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's verse 16 of Colossians 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, 27. He says, listen, I command that these letters, I'm telling you that these letters need to be read among the people. He's doing the same thing that we saw in the Old Testament. Same thing in the time of Ezra. When they stood for hours as he read the Holy Scriptures. Paul knew that what he was speaking and what he was dictating and writing down was indeed Scripture. He even says that his own message is the Word of God. He understood those things. 1 Timothy 5.18, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Peter also confirms this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. They recognized that what they spoke was indeed the inspired Word of God. And, and what does that mean? He's saying all Scripture. That phrase, uh, inspiration in Scripture, when you put it together... It is literally saying the words that went out of Paul's mouth were the exact, inspired, without error, Word of God. You say, well, God just told him what to say, and then Paul used... No, no. You look at those words, it literally means the whole process. What God laid on his heart, what God told him to say, and what came out of his mouth was the Word of God. See, we, we have this idea that God just whispered and Paul just kind of went, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll use my, no. The exact words that Paul spoke were the Word of God. The words mean things. You notice there's no gray area there? One of the ways Satan comes in is he likes to create gray areas. God breathed. I almost had Bo read Psalm 12, verses 6 and 7, where it declares the Word of God to be pure, like silver tried in the furnace of fire seven times. In other words, when it was done, it was crystal clear without any defilement in it. And that the Psalm 12 also states it, that it uh, is preserved. And also in Psalm 119, I think, verse 87 or 85, it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Settled. Done. Complete. Paul tells us how the word of God came into being. And then he defines it. He said, number one, it is profitable It produces something. What does it produce? It produces, and we're going to combine the word doctrine and reproof together into what is sound and what is true. The fundamental truths of the Word of God that cannot be deterred from. You know, yesterday and last week on, on the video, I spent some time on that word balance. Everybody wants balance in their life. And we talked about balance out of Galatians chapter 5 as one of the fruit of the Spirit. Another word in, in, in the old King James that uses the word temperance, which is self-control. 
but it also gives a sense of balance. And it goes back to your feet being firmly planted at a level. And yesterday, how do we get that balance? And I talked about two words. Number one, fundamentals. And number two, feel. And the feel isn't feelings. Okay? Because the Bible says our heart is deceitful and wicked above all things who can know it. And don't think that we're immune. Okay? We still have that old fleshly nature that we war with daily. And the, and the first part of it, and, and I made the statement, I said, you know, in, in shoeing, everybody gets carried away with these new fads and everything. And I said, uh, experience has taught me that about 80% of the problems with horses can be taken care of by going back to what is fundamental and sound. That's what he's talking about here. The fundamental truths of the Word of God. What is truth? Listen, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but the truth of the Word of God is not really concerned about our opinions. God is not going to change His truth because of what we feel or what we like or what we don't like because God sees the whole picture and He desires what is best for us and He wants us to trust Him and He wants us to, to take His Word by faith and make it a part of our life and, and, and immerse ourselves in it. So He says it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. And then He uses the term for correction. Sometimes we need to be corrected. In other words, that phrase or that word there literally means uh, to make straight. Book of Colossians. Here we go. What happened? Paul gives them the gospel. He hears good things. But then he begins to hear that things have done this. It's like that book, Pilgrim's Progress. You read that, didn't you? Yeah. Interesting, huh? It's interesting that that old boy, when was that written? In 1600 sometime? Yeah. I almost said Paul Bunyan. It's John Bunyan. <laughs> While he was in jail, he'd preach in his jail cell and people would congregate outside the window and listen to him preach. And he wrote that. And it talks about... You know, how, how Christian and, and whoever was with him at the time, you know, get distracted and go this way or get drawn this way. You see, when he, he uses that method of replacement, he does it in such a way that it sounds good. Like to the Galatians where Paul says in chapter 3 verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth that was once handed down. It's there to help keep us. We talk about it all the time between the guardrails where it's safe. God's keeping us in a place of safety. I had Bo read Psalm 119 verses 1 through 10. And I love those verses where it says, Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes, then shall I not be ashamed. That word ashamed there uh, literally comes from a Hebrew word that means to be uh, retarded or held back. 
you know, kind of like a calf that gets kicked off its mom, or she dies, he gets kicked off his mom too soon, and you can tell him a mile away. Scruffy looking, big fat belly, they're never, you know, they're the ones that get it out of here. You know, they're going to hurt my average, because they've been held back. And then he says, for instruction in righteousness. Again, having to do. We say God is righteous. No, righteousness is defined by who God is. So if we want to understand and, and, and be instructed in righteousness, we need to see who God is in the Word. We need to begin to study who Jesus Christ is in the Word. People talk about God all the time. Politicians right now are right and left going, and God bless America. And I'm going, buddy, I don't know what planet you're from, but the road we're headed down right now, you, know, you hold that thought if it gives you comfort. And I want to talk about Jesus. Because we can't know God if we don't know Jesus. And Jesus shows us the Father. You, we, we want to see what righteousness is, then we need to start looking at who Jesus is. I find it interesting in the, in the book of Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, in the first chapter, when Jesus is starting His ministry. You know what He's spending most time doing? Healing people. Well, okay, yeah. But you know what else He's doing? Casting out evil spirits. Even in the church. It says there was a man in the synagogue. Jesus cast out an evil spirit. What's that tell us? Satan. He wants to creep into the church. Righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect or complete or prepared, armed, Throughly. I like that word throughly. It means through and through and through and through and through. All the way. And then the phrase furnished unto all good works is kind of one phrase. See, the Word of God equips us to produce what is Christ-like. In verse 12, it's Paul writes down, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ, in Christ Jesus, shall suffer persecution. What does it mean to live godly? Well, I do this and I don't do that. Well, I, I hate to tell you this, but there's a lot of people that do that. To live godly is to display the characteristics of our Heavenly Father. Hey, did Jesus stand up against what was wrong? Yes, He did. Did He rebuke? Yes, He did. But what do we see more often than not? His love for others. Not what the world calls love. But what God calls love. What God shows us is love. Jesus' characteristics, how He lived, they hated Him for it. 
Word of God is there to prepare us so that we are equipped to display the characteristics of our Heavenly Father. Go to Isaiah 55. Here's something else to think about. When Paul's talking about Scripture and the Word of God. The Word of God always defines itself, defends itself, and confirms itself. Always. I don't need archaeologists telling me the Word of God is true. I don't need scientists telling me the Word of God is true. The Word of God itself tells me it's true. You know, there's over 332 distinct prophecies regarding uh, the Lord Jesus Christ that He fulfilled in His life that were foretold in the Old Testament. The Word of God always confirms. It doesn't need, uh, what's the deal at the end of the book that tells you where all their sources were? Huh? Index? No, it's another word. Footnotes? No, it's another word. I'll think about <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning, y'all are going to get a text. Yes! Concordance. It doesn't need that bibliography, I guess, maybe if that's what it is. There, you lucked out. Your phone's not going to go off this morning, or tomorrow morning. The Word of God doesn't need a bibliography. In Isaiah 55, it says, Seek ye the Lord, verse 6, while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Okay, we need... How do we begin to grasp a hold of that biblical truth that Scripture is sufficient for all things in our life. It's sufficient for completely showing us who Jesus is, who's, who shows us the Father. How do, number one, we have to seek the Lord. I know it's been a couple months and I said, you know, we were talking up here and, you know, everybody has a list of priorities and everybody says Jesus has to be number one. No, He is the only priority. We need to seek Him. And then, verse 11, God makes a promise. And the book of Romans tells us that God cannot lie. He says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me, what? Void or empty. God does not waste His words. But it shall accomplish that which I please. In other words, God's word is going to work. 
It's going to do what he said. You want to grow in, in, the Bible says, the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Then you start to seek Him in this book. You want to see, what are those characteristics? As, as I talk, you know, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Start reading about the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll show you those characteristics. Well, how do, I, how do I apply those to my life? How do they... Paul does a really good job of, of, of a commentary on the Gospels. Kind of, that's what the epistles kind of are. And he tells us, and he shows us. I love this. It says, but it shall accomplish that which I please. God's work is going to get it done. And not only that, listen to this, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. It's not just going to get it done. It's going to prosper. It's going to bless. It's going to... <coughs> uh, that Hebrew word there literally means to push forward or to go forth mightily. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 1, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it, it is the power of God unto salvation. Do not get caught up in what is peripheral. Do not get caught up into what man says when we have in front of us what God says. What we do and, and strive to do here is to do what? Number one, lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and this is all we need. And we say that sometimes like, well, it's all we need. No, it is all we need because it is everything. Answers for life's questions. Wisdom. All of it is here. There is not a situation that you will ever face that is not dealt with and God does not give us what we need to handle the situation and move forward with it and grow in it and grow in our faith and our trust of God and our love for the Lord, there is nothing that we will ever face that God does not deal with in this book. When we seek wisdom, it's here. When we even look at, Lord, how do we do this? It's here. We're talking to folks and God puts people in your path to, to share the Word of God or the Gospel with or maybe to counsel. You don't need to pull out something else and let it interfere with what is powerful and what is true and what produces blessing. And we, we use the term results. I don't even like that word results. I'm talking blessing. It's right here. The all-sufficiency of Scripture. Somewhere along the line, like Bugs Bunny, we took a left turn at Albuquerque. 
And when we stuck our head up, Elmer Fudd was sitting there with a double barrel shotgun looking right at us. Because we've allowed Satan to get in and start to replace and start to add to. I love Ecclesiastes 3.14, Whatsoever God doeth, I'm going to paraphrase it, He does it right, it's perfect, it's complete, and nothing shall be added to it or nothing taken away that He may be feared. We need to be reminded of this. The all-sufficiency of the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, this morning for your word, Lord. And, uh, Father, we, we even struggle with, with the words to uh, describe. And we just have to use words like truth and purity. Uh, Lord, uh, forgive us uh, for those times that we treat your diamonds as marbles and we just play with them, Father. Uh, this this truth that is your word, that it is you, Father. Lord, help us to keep our focus and to continue in the things which we have learned and been assured of, Father. I pray and thank you for the Lord Jesus and the cross of Calvary. When you watch over us this week, Lord, that we would again seek to immerse ourselves in the word of God that it would become a part of this walk. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.